Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So I have a little scenario I want to play for you. So pretend with me for a minute that you are a kid, you're a young Connor, and your parents just got you a really cool set of crayons, like one of those like 200 packs. Good oh, color. yeah. Yeah, you know. So imagine you take these crayons to school and another student sees you using them and is getting really jealous and decides that they want those crayons. So they tell the teacher that you stole their crayons. And there's no proof that you stole them, but there's no proof that you didn't steal them either. Now, obviously, a call to your parents would explain the situation and then you'd be able to say that you were innocent, right? But the teacher doesn't even suggest this. Instead, she tells you to hand over the crayons to the other student and as soon as she has more time, she'll call your parents and maybe set up some time and find out whether or not you actually stole the crayons or not. How would that make you feel? Uh, like a massive injustice had just happened. Those are my crayons. Give them back. Exactly. And you used the exact word I was hoping you use, injustice, right? Because you didn't do anything wrong, and yet you've had your stuff taken from you. Now, this actually happens in real life with police officers and somebody they suspect of wrongdoing with a practice that's called civil asset forfeiture. So that's kind of a big, big word or three words, and we'll link, you know, definition down at the bottom of the show notes, but civil asset forfeiture. So asset is something that is yours and forfeiture is something that's taken, right? So just think of it as like somebody taking your stuff. But what do you know about this practice, Connor? You know anything about this? So we, with my day job at Libertas Institute, we've talked before about how I run a think tank and we change laws. And this is one of the laws that we've uh, worked on changing over the years because, yeah, like if someone has done something wrong, let's say... Let's say I steal a car. Um, obviously, as a criminal, I shouldn't be allowed to keep that car, no. right? Like if I truly stole it, yes. I, I shouldn't benefit from my my theft, from my illegal activity. So it totally makes sense for the government to you know get that car back and return it to its rightful owner. But let's say uh, that I go to my mom's house and I move in with my mom in her basement. And let's say I'm kind of a bad dude and I start uh, making some drugs out of the basement. That's a no-no, and that's clearly wrong. But what would be even more wrong is for the government to come and say, hey, lady, uh, your son has been making drugs in your home, so in addition to arresting him, we're taking your home. That sounds outrageous. It sounds totally outrageous, and yet that is a true story. And stuff like that has has happened before. I'll share another story with you that happened in our state. There was this family that opened a restaurant. They were from Africa, a country in Africa. And they, in Africa, there's a, a leaf called chat. I believe it's spelled K-H-A-T. And this leaf has a very slight narcotic effect. Like a, like uh, narc- a drug? Yeah, like a drug, like almost like smoking nicotine, like a very kind of slight drug, but it's very, very uh, slight, very minimal. It's not like a heavy uh, drug, but it does have that little effect. So the federal government uh, has banned it from uh, being used in the United States. However, in this country where this family is from, it's like chewing gum. I mean, just extremely common to the point where, you know, everyone does it. Don't even think about it. Yeah. Right. And so someone mailed a package of these leaves to this restaurant, to someone who worked there. And so the federal government intercepted the package, 
probably with like a drug sniffing dog, right? And so they're like, oh, this has, you know, this drug in it. So we're going to send it to its its destination to the, the restaurant. But we're going to be there when it arrives so that when they take it, when they take possession of this illegal leaf, we can swoop in. And so multiple agencies, different law enforcement agencies of police swooped in on this restaurant when the lady took the package. They took all the money out of the cash register for the restaurant. They took laptops. They took cars from the owner, the owner's siblings. They went home. Now, a lot of Africans don't really trust banks. That's kind of a, a common thing to distrust kind of the, the making system. And so they had just bundles of cash. That was kind of their savings rather than putting it in a bank. So they had cash in their home. They took all the cash. The police took all the cash. You know, when you go to a restaurant sometimes or shopping, there will be like the little uh, jar next to the cash register trying to raise money for like little charity. Johnny's, yeah. you know, charity. Like little Johnny has cancer. Please help out. Right. They had one of those charity uh, little jars next to the cash register with a bunch of loose change in it. The police took that as well. Oh, my goodness. They, they took over $100,000 in, in, you know, total money and everything from these guys. And the, the restaurant shut down. I mean, how do you operate a restaurant without any money to buy supplies and do things? And they never arrested anyone. They never charged them with any crime. And they killed this business. And the guy moved back to Africa. Like his American dream was totally stolen from him. And that was this civil asset forfeiture where the government can just say, oh, you're, you did something we think is wrong. So we're going to take a bunch of your stuff for it. So the, and that seems totally wrong to me. That seems totally wrong. And the thing that's totally crazy about this is the way that the laws are written is that they kind of accuse your stuff of being guilty. And that sounds so silly. But they they say like, like let's say they took the money or the car. They say like, your car is guilty of a crime. So that's why you don't get it back. We haven't convicted you of a crime or charged you of a crime. But we're going to convict or charge your property with a crime, which is just like, wait, what? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Let me give you even a more specific example about that. So when, when let's say I live in Texas and let's say I uh, commit fraud, I, I break the law and I commit fraud, I am going to be charged as a criminal. And so the case will be called the state of Texas versus Connor Boyack, right? I'm the defendant. Um, I'm the person that they're going after. But exactly what you're just describing, Brittany, in civil asset forfeiture, they're not even having to arrest anyone or charge them with a crime. The property is kind of the defendant. And so the court case won't be the state of Texas versus Connor Boyack. It will literally say things like the state of, of Texas versus a 2008 Honda Civic. <laughs> and I kid you not, there are these cases, this is how this works. The state of Texas or, you know, state of Virginia or whatever, the state of Montana versus a $50 bill, literally. The, the state the state of Nevada uh, versus, you know, a, a Ford Explorer or versus a laptop. And, and they say, oh, well, this property was used in For criminal conduct. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be able to take it. And, and this is abused left and right. I mean, uh, law enforcement will, you know, they'll take cars and then they'll keep them. Um, they'll take money and then keep it. In one case, I remember reading a story where they had like a, a drink machine, like a that makes soda? fruity drinks, oh, okay. uh, like like daiquiris and stuff mm -hmm. like that, I guess. And um, and so they took it through forfeiture from the person whose it was, and then they kept it in the in the 
you know, at the police station <laughs> to make drinks for so themselves. You're bring, but you're bringing up a problem is we're, in, like you said, incentivizing bad behavior. So it's almost like the police officers will want to take stuff from you because it looks like they're going to get to use it if they do. So break that down a little more, Brittany. What do you mean by incentivize? Help us understand what you mean. So it's almost as if they kind of get rewarded for doing a certain action, right? So incentivize would be like, if I, I want to work because I want money, right? So I'll work to get the money. So a police officer, if they know that if they pull you over and they say that they suspected you of doing you know, something bad, that they could take your car, but then that they could also use your car, wouldn't that also kind of make them want to take the car, right? So, so it's like it's almost empowering them or to want to take it from you. That's right. And so in our state, one of the things that we've done is we've said, okay, well, the money that you guys get from forfeiture, you you don't get to directly keep. We want to remove that incentive, exactly what you're talking about, Brittany. So instead, the money has to be used kind of in other ways so that officers aren't like, hey, if I take a car, then I get to use that car. We don't want any of that. Got to remove that incentive. Now, the problem with this is that even when states like ours start to restrict civil asset forfeiture. The federal government has its own separate laws, federal laws dealing with civil asset forfeiture as well. So imagine that I'm a police officer and I'm in my state of Utah. I'm like, ah, if I seize this $100,000, if I take it from this guy and I do a civil asset forfeiture under state law, then that pesky Libertas Institute and that Connor Boyack have been restricting my ability to keep the money. And so we won't, my agency, you know, my buddies, we won't be able to use the money ourselves. However, if I get the federal government involved in this case, this $100,000, and if we do the forfeiture in federal court instead of state court, then we can avoid those state protections that Libertas Institute in Utah has put in place. And many groups around the country have been working on this mm -hmm. in other states yeah. as well. And Instead, we can go to federal court where it's easier to do forfeiture. The, the, um, the laws are written in a way where it's actually easier to take people's property. And here's the kicker. Going back to what you said, Brittany, about incentives. Under federal law, when we're talking about civil asset forfeiture, 80% of the money, the leftover money, goes directly to the agency. And there's nothing a state can do about it. They force states to do this. So even when we say we're going to restrict it and you can't, you know, pre create all these protections, the federal government is still there saying, oh, well, come to us and we'll help you. And then we're going to give 80% of the money directly to the agency. And so that incentive still exists. It's a big concern. What was that called? Something like equitable sharing program. I can't remember. That's exactly to, right. I used to That's write about exactly it. Right. I thought I'm like, didn't I have that right? And it's, it's just so scary because again, even if you reform things on the state level, which there's a great, uh, like, Liberty Law, uh, what is it called? Legal firm, um, Institute for Justice. They work with a uh -huh. lot of these cases as well. But um, a lot of these people never get their stuff back. Some do, but it's surprising to me how many of them don't. On that exact point, I'll share another, maybe not so much a direct story, although I have many to share, but I'll kind of summarize several stories. Um, exactly what you're saying. Some people get their property, some don't. The, the most tragic cases I've seen is You'll have a guy who has, let's say, $50,000 taken from his bank account. And uh, he'll have to hire an attorney, of course, because you want to try and get your property back. And the government will kind of drag out the process. They'll take, you know, many months to do it. And you're like, I need my money back. It's for my business or, you know, going on a worldwide cruise or whatever you're doing with the money. So you're, you're kind of sweating because the government has your money and you can't use it. So then the government will come to you and they'll say, well, tell you what, we'll cut a deal. 
if you let us keep half the money, this is called a settlement. You're, you're settling. You're coming to an agreement, a settlement. They'll say, look, if you settle and let us keep half the money, we will let you keep the other half and we'll drop the forfeiture case. So then imagine you're that guy's attorney and you have to look out for his best interest. So you turn to your client, the guy who has his you know $50,000 taken, and you say, well, look, we can fight it. We can continue to try and get all the money, but we'll probably lose because the law typically benefits the government. And you're going to have to pay me a bunch more money as your very expensive attorney to try and get it back. So you can gamble and try and get it all and pay me a bunch of money and probably lose and then get nothing. Or you can take the deal, take the settlement, walk away with half your money, pay me you know, the attorney fees that you owe, and then move on with your life. And so time and time and time again, these people who their own government is taking their property, these are innocent people, keep in mind, right? They've never been charged with a crime. Right. And maybe they did something, right? But they're, yeah, they're presumed innocent. So they've never been convicted. They've never gone to court. They've never, you know, been been, uh, convicted with a crime. And so these presumably innocent people are having their own government literally steal from them and say, oh, well, we'll leave you alone if you let us, you know, if we go have these. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, you brought up the word incentive. It's almost like they're incentivizing that other people not to even want to fight for it, right? Because they're thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to get it anyway. So the whole yep. thing is kind of just structured to, to not work in your favor. It's not work in our favor if something like that were to happen to us. Let me share a final problem, Brittany, that kind of uh, that you reminded me about. In fact, so um, that's a problem when you have a lot of money. But when you have a lot of money, you can afford. You're going to hire an attorney, right? Because you want to fight and get that money back. However, most forfeitures, most most of these cases, these stories we're talking about, don't involve a lot of money. In our state, where we've done some data, for example, the average amount of money involved in these cases is around $1,000. Now the kids are still like, oh my gosh, $1,000 is so much money. But you know, when you're an adult and you're paying thousands a year on you know, your house and gas and food and everything like that, $1,000 in the grand scheme of things for an adult isn't that much money. But here's the kicker. If the government takes $1,000 from you and you want it back, you're innocent, what the government did is totally wrong, are you going to hire an attorney who will probably cost you at least $5,000 to try and fight and get your $1,000 back? Clearly not. Like that would be the stupidest thing ever to hire an attorney to win back such little money because you'd end up losing way more money (laughs) to the attorney. And so what happens again and again and again is these people have money taken from them, 500 bucks here, 1347 over there and everything like that. It averages out to nearly $1,000. And these people don't fight because they're like, I don't know the law. I can't defend myself in court and uh, I can't afford an attorney. So I guess I just have to let the government do this. It's, It's insane. It's nuts. And I think that you brought up a good point, though, is this has been one of the issues over the last maybe three or four years that we've actually seen a lot of reform on. So that's really hopeful because I know with a lot of this stuff, there doesn't seem to be an answer or a way out. But um, with civil asset forfeiture specifically, a lot of states are starting to fight back. A lot of, like I said, these law firms are starting to be able to represent people and say, no, this is wrong. And even um, on the federal level, there have been calls for reform. So I'm hopeful that maybe this won't be around forever. I would like to hope that it isn't going to be. 
Well, let's go ahead, Brittany, and on the show notes page for today, share a couple stories. I know you've written some articles in the past um, so that our listeners who want to get a little more upset with their own government can have uh, some help to do so. This is a very concerning law. You can look up what's happening in your state. Uh, The Institute for Justice, which we'll link to, has... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have some great information state by state on what the laws look like. So do some research, help uh, one another understand this a little bit better. This is a very concerning law that a lot of us have been fighting against for a long time. Uh, so very important topic. Glad we could talk about it. Brittany, I'll see you next time. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.